Welcome to the show. I am Robert Reynolds, and if you are not aware, this is the GATA podcast, where it's all dog, all the time. Where you're going to hear a lot of Georgia football. You're going to hear about recruiting, the most important aspect of Georgia football, in my opinion. You're going to hear about the state of the team. Uh, you could look at way too early predictions. Uh, you know, in my opinion, and my takes on anything regarding the team currently. And you're also going to hear about recent news involving Georgia football around the NCAA. Whatever the case may be, if it, if it is involving Georgia football, it will be brought up. Also, on each Friday, you will hear a segment called GATA Q&A, where I go live on Facebook talking to followers and listeners and answer questions and have discussions regarding anything that wants to be discussed. So get ready. Because the GATA podcast starts right now. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the first ever segment of GATA Q&A. What we're doing here, let people come in uh, live on Facebook. We're going to reach in, let people comment, ask questions, uh, and just sit down and and just talk Georgia football. All we got to do right there. That's all we're going to do. So... While I'm letting everybody in, just going to go in over a couple things uh, that happened recently this week. Uh, I'm sure most are all aware. Uh, Kendall Milton's birthday, uh, I think it was Wednesday, so happy birthday, Kendall. Uh, Wednesday night, you had the news that uh, Julian Rochester and D-Rod returning for their next year. Uh, Also, Dreshawn Miller, uh, West Virginia starting cornerback. Entered the transfer portal, I think last night, I think it was reported. So a lot of news. um, And I think really when you look at Dreshawn Miller, um, I expect Georgia to go hard on this. Uh, I really do. Uh, Starting cornerback, you know, the ties are there. Um, You look into, you know, what we're needing. Uh, You know, I'm expecting us to hit the portal anyway. Uh, for corner, it was just a matter of when. Um, but you know, you put a starting cornerback on one of the you know the the highest ranked pass defense in the country. You know, you add that right there along with uh, Coach Day coming over from West Virginia. I, the writing's on the wall for Georgia to hop on that. I I I, I genuinely think Georgia's going to hop all on that, and Miller will be a dog. That's just my take. I'm gonna wait while some other uh, while some people are coming in, um, you know. And well, I'll, I'll just keep talking while everybody comes in and will, and leaves comments or whatever whatever we want to talk about, guys. It's it's your day, and just want to you know give you some uh, opportunities to you know speak speak your mind, whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be. I saw uh, Traley. Oh, I don't know if you're here still, but. Hope you're doing well. Um, keep up, uh, keep up with that. Uh, the chemo, we're all in support. I uh, just want to call that out there. Um, I know that's tough. I know it is. Uh, support goes a long way with that. So uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, prayers for your family uh, and stay strong. We're all behind you. All right. So I think you know, looking into um, 
more news. I, I, I think looking into the, uh, the mock drafts would be interesting as well. Um, you know, you look at four, four guys projected, uh, recently, I think in the most recent one, I forgot who uh, let it out, but, um, the NFL mock draft got four dogs within the top three rounds of the draft. Uh, you got Aziz projected first round going to the Titans. I think that's a good fit. I really do. Um, you know, I, I think with Vrabel being the head coach there and the defensive mind, I think you literally look at Aziz and his elite pass rushing skills. Vrabel would get the most out of him in that regard. I, I, this is my feeling there. Uh, so I, I like that. If obviously, if that were to happen, I think that'd be a great fit for him. Uh, Stoke, uh, Eric Stokes projected second round to the Jaguars. Don't really know about the Jaguars. Um, Urban Meyer, I think, is going to be there. Would be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but I, I think he would be. I think he's going to be very fast, and it's going to be fun to see. Hugh Nash, how's it going? Hope everybody's having a good day again. Just hope. Just hope that uh, everybody's Fridays is going as well as mine. I'm just letting some more people pop in. Uh, just remember, guys, feel free to to say whatever you want. Um, this is you know, basically this is just open discussion. If you have any questions about anything Georgia, let me know, and you'll hear you'll hear my answer, how I feel about it. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about something, put it in the comments, and we'll go from there. How's your morning going, Hugh? Everything going good? Hope I hope your day's going good. Now I think I think you look into um, you know. Looking into that NFL draft, that mock draft, um, you know, you also you also have uh, um, Tyson Campbell projected third round uh, to the Colts. Interested to see there. I think that defense was okay for the most part, if not a little bit better than okay. I think it was average or a little bit better. I don't know. Remember, guys, I don't keep up with NFL too much. So, and, and Trey Hill was projected third round to the Ravens, which I think that would be a good fit for him. Uh, if he, you know, I think you have to earn any playing time, but I mean, I think the Ravens is a good organization. So, you know, those are the top, those are the four, uh, projected in the top, in the first three rounds of that, uh, mock draft. Uh, Jenny Lynn Chastain, I hope I said that right. Hello and good morning. Adam Henderson, hello. What is on your minds? Anything burning to get out. I, I do want to talk about um, some quarterback depth here. I'm curious to see what people's opinions are um, on who's our backup quarterback. I think I think you look at JT Daniels as the obvious starter. There's really no question about that. There, sh there should be no question about it, period. Um, the one thing I would say... Obviously, with you know, with Stetson being there, uh, Brock and Beck, you know, I think that's going to be a huge battle, and I hope that Brock or Beck, uh, Carson Beck, can pull that off. 
Uh, in the meantime, Jenny asked, what about Malik Herring? Um, in the NFL draft, he wasn't he wasn't uh, projected a top three, obviously, but I think he would probably go later rounds. Um, kind of get worried about going undrafted. It seems like, you know, you look at a couple guys that, you know, we thought could have been uh, draftable that didn't. Uh, just going into last uh, season. Uh, doesn't mean, however, that anything could be... <coughs> excuse me. Doesn't mean that he can't produce. Um, you know, obviously you had Tay Crowder literally the last pick, um, which people generally just laugh at. Turned out to produce a lot. Um, you know, obviously this might be a special position, but uh, Rod, hi Rod, you know, goes undrafted, kind of expected as a kicker, but he, he set the franchise record for the Colts for most points as a rookie. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily count out his ability to make an impact, but I think he goes later rounds, uh, if not undrafted, unfortunately. Um, just the way that goes. Yeah, I wish you would come back too, Jenny. Um, that would have been nice. That would have been a nice addition. Uh, but I think you have to look at it this way as well, and I, I'm trying to look more so uh, optimistically in regards to the future of the program. Um, you know, as much as I like Malik Herring and his plan uh, while he played here for Georgia, you know, him moving on only opens up opportunities uh, for the guys beneath him to make an impact and succeed and, and write their own legacy for Georgia and, and obviously work their way up into the, you know, to get to the NFL. Um, so, you know, looking at that, obviously huge impact with uh, Jordan Davis uh, Devontae Wyatt, those guys coming back. Obviously, that's huge for our defense. You know, looking into it, there's that's the biggest return. Uh, Jordan Davis was the biggest return. I think you could say literally and phys- uh, figuratively. Um, just the impact that he makes on the defense is um, it's, it's night and day. Uh, really night and day. Uh, you know, last year when he was out for those couple games, we saw firsthand uh, the impact that he, you know, when he was out, we saw that. We saw what impact it made. Um, yeah, he, his ability to generate pass rush uh, and, and just eat up blocks, right? Taking up two, uh, two linemen, uh, allowing these linebackers to come in uh, and go basically unfree generates, you know, a lot of pressure on quarterbacks and causes a lot of havoc. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Kirby Smart always talks about havoc plays. Jordan Davis is under like it, it goes under the radar unless you're really looking at it. But his ability he may not have the stats. And when one of me he may not get a ton of sacks, anything like that. But do not underestimate his ability to to eat up blocks. That's that's the way I look at it. Um, you know, and he said before as well, if if he's eating up blocks and linebackers are getting in to do you know and making plays, he looks at the linebacker stats. Uh, if if they had a great game, he had a great game because he you know he that's his job is to eat up blocks, let these guys do the work. Um, Ojalari, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna I I think he'll be a really good NFL player. Um, watching his tape and and just watching some of the things a lot of people don't understand. Yes, he is an elite pass rusher in my opinion. But, you know, when you break it down why he's so good, it's 
it's it's interesting to watch. Let's just say that um, his hand movements, right? Like his ability to to get off and to to get off and beat the um, the lineman that he's you know the, that's trying to guard him. Uh, his hand movements are really important, and that's what like w- they're so fast and they're so violent that it just it it stuns the offensive lineman, and that's what allows him to to run free. Uh, and obviously, it generated a, a lot of sacks this year. Um, so you know, with that right there, but also don't discount his ability to set the edge. Um, you know, I think we have to be careful this year with Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith. I think they're going to have really good seasons, but I, I hope that they work on setting the edge a little bit better because not saying that they can't, but Aziz did a really good job, not only rushing the quarterback, but his ability to set the edge. is that, That's the most important thing in my opinion. We know Adam Anderson is very fast off the ball. He's I think he's an elite pass rusher waiting to happen. I think Nolan Smith, same thing. But these guys have to... These guys have to be able to set the edge to really make that much of an impact. Sacks are great, but if running the run game can suffer, you know our ability to stop the run could suffer if we're not careful, um, you know, and not and not being able to set the edge like that. Uh, but I, I hope that Aziz goes to a team that, you know, like I said, I, I'd like for him to go to the Titans. Uh, you know, with Vrabel, he knows defense. That's his niche. I think he'd be able to utilize, uh, you know, Aziz's skill set. And, and I think he would get the most out of him. I think if you put him in with the right system, and I think this is with the NFL in general, most guys need that right system, especially quarterbacks. You know, that's the, all the huge talk. But, I mean, I think it falls into any position, really. Um, you know, if, if he falls into that right system, Defensive-minded system. I think you know you can get the most out of them. What about the uh, Jenny also asked? What about the freshman guy that had surgery? Is he going to be ready? Um, there, you know, there was a couple guys. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know who specifically you're mentioning. Um, if I, I, you may be talking about Keeley, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about Keeley, I guess. If that's if that rings a bell, let me know. If not, I'll keep trying to go on. Um, Keeley, uh, obviously, I think he took a red shirt this uh, this season uh, with his shoulder surgery. Uh, you know, started to practice more towards the end of the year, and you know, I'm I'm fully expecting him to be a an immediate starter uh, day one of this upcoming season. I, you know, the, I love it. I love to bring this up because it's. It's important to see what kind of speed Georgia has and what we're building. Um, you know, there was a viral picture that went out a while back now. You know, he ran he ran a little bit faster than Arian Smith. And, you know, prior to that, I was under the assumption that Arian Smith was the fastest guy on the team, and there was really no question. Um, but, you know, seeing that, you really start to wonder, all right, is Arian really the fat? And, and that's a good problem to have because if Arian Smith, we saw what happened you know, with his glimpses of success when uh, JT came in, South Carolina, his first touchdown, he was wide open. Nobody even, like, nobody remotely close to be a challenge there. Um, so we know what kind of speed Arian has. So 
So Keely Ringo, in my opinion, is right there on par with his speed, which only benefits us on the in the secondary. Um, now, at the end of the day, you know, speed is only good for so much. Um, it'll help you get out of bad situations. But I also think that his coverage abilities, just what I saw with uh with Keeley coming out of high school, um, you know, I, I think he he'll be fine. Um, but you know, I think that's with a lot of these guys. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, we lost a lot of starting experience, uh, especially in the cornerback spot. Uh, so you know, Coach Day's got his hands full. I think he'll be ready. Um, and you know, from there, I think. We'll see what happens. And like I said, I think we'll hit somebody in the portal. Uh, maybe it's Miller from West Virginia. We don't know. Uh, it makes sense. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And, and uh, don't forget the incoming guys, Nylon Green. Uh, I think Nylon can make an impact right away as well. Uh, 6'3", good ball skills, fast. All that stuff right there builds in. Uh, physical, you know, Kirby Smart prototype. Um, Jenny says, the guy that got hurt in the Georgia-Florida, is he going to be ready? Uh, you talk about Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Um, I would think so. I would, I would think so. I think he would be ready for, um, the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't know about spring ball. I know, I heard he's doing well, like, obviously in rehab. And it sounds like it's going, uh, going as planned. Uh, I don't know if he's ahead or not, but we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, you know... Obviously, that was a really bad injury. Uh, you know, I remember vividly watching that in the in the cocktail party, and it just made me upset. Stomp- like it just gave me an upset stomach right away. It just it was that bad. Um, I don't want to go on about it much more, um, but yeah, it was rough. And you know, to see him go through, uh, obviously, you know, go through that. Uh, you know, it was a great touchdown catch at the time too. So, you know. Jenny, I think he'll be okay. Uh, he'll, I think he'll be ready for the season. Um, I don't. Ex- I would not expect him to to play right away just because he needs to get back in game shape. Um, you know, and that just that's just a product of the environment when it comes to injuries. You know, that just happens. Uh, I think he'll be good. I, I really do think he'll be good. Uh, you know, and that's something that that's a testament to the receiving uh, hall that we brought in in the twenty twenty one class or twenty twenty class. I'm sorry. You know, you obviously we have Jermaine, and you have Arian Smith and Marcus Rosemey. You know, and and I'd like to see Lad McConkey make an impact. I think the kid very underrated when we uh, when we signed him. Very underrated. Uh, you know, a lot of people might not have heard about Lad McConkey, um, but if if you if you go back and watch some moves, Keely Ringo himself um, basically was just giving him the thumb up. Uh, the stamp of approval, pretty much. Um, kids got moves. He can get off. He can get off a defender, and make it look easy. Um, but but that's just a testament to how deep we are now uh, in the receiving room. Because you know, obviously George Pickens. George Pickens is going to be George Pickens. There's there's no question about that. I think you look at it. He has a a great season this year. More than likely going to go first round. Early second at worst, in my opinion, unless something crazy happens. But then you, but then you've got to see what's going to happen in regards to you know the passing game. Uh, you've got Jermaine, you've got Arian Smith, which I think Arian Smith is going to have the biggest season in regards of a true breakout season uh, from the receiving core. 
just ability to get over the top of defenses with the pure speed that he has is going to be interesting to see how defenses cover that. It, it really will. Um, because, you know, that's one thing you can't coach. You can't coach speed. So defense, if he's on the field, I think defenses have to play off the ball because of his threat to run down, you know, run over the top. And, and honestly, that will open up the run game. And, you know, that's where Zamir and that's where Milton, that's where all these guys come in. Uh, the, the, the amount of threats that we have in the passing game should only make our running game that much more potent as well. You know, Zamir, obviously a big return as well on the offensive side of the ball. You know, didn't really have a lot of returns on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the two being James Cook and Zamir being the two biggest, in my opinion. Uh, D-Rob did, you know, did confirm that he's coming back. But, you know, when you, everybody on the offense, you look back and, and I think you look at, uh, you know, Zamir and James Cook. So, I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Kirby manages this room. Um you know, I, I think you almost is it a is it a shoe in that you know Zamir starts more than likely, but I think you really have to look into just how deep we are at the running back position, uh, and really, like I said, this is an offensive thing here. You know, our offense in the receiving in the passing game, the running back room, and then you also look at the offensive line, talent wise, absolutely loaded from top to bottom. Very, very, very talented. Very talented. Uh, you know, going back into the running back room, though. You know, you look at Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton, when he was healthy and he and he got touches, the kid was absolutely electric. Absolutely electric. So, in my in my opinion, I think you have to give him an expanded role. Um, but because of how deep, you know, the running back room is, just how much more can you do that? Uh, that's going to be the question I think all year long is, you know, I, I think it's a good thing to have because if our passing game struggles, you have so much running back uh, depth that, you know, you can make that work and, and open up the passing game. That's a, that's the, being the thought. Uh, teams will not be able to put eight or nine in the box and shut us down like years past. You just won't be able to. We've got too much speed and too much uh, talent at the receiver position now that you just can't do that. Uh, we, we saw what happened with Mississippi State. Sold out to stop the run. JT throws for 400 on a somewhat of a sloppy start, but nonetheless got us the win. Um, you know, South Carolina, this is what happens. Run down their throat the entire game. Complete dominance in the running, in the running aspect of the football game. Just annihilated them in the run game. Gashed them all night. So... You know, and then obviously with and uh, then you look at Missouri, which was an overall balanced uh, type of game offensively. So the ability to see a true dominant uh, a game that we dominate in the passing game, then you see the running game, you know, more heavy, and then you see that balance. That right there, you know, in a three game set was 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 a sight to sore eyes in my opinion. And I look at it because of the fact that in years past, we didn't have that much of, like, we didn't have that serious a threat of a passing game. So a lot of people honed in on the run game, and if our run game struggled, we did terrible. Or we struggled, to at, at least struggled. Um, so, you know, that that's where I see that. 
like I said, this is where the talent comes into play, you know, and I think you're going to see, you know, Kieris and, and uh, you know, I think you look at Pickens as well being gone after this year. So the tw- in, in terms of recruiting, the 2022 class is going to be in, very important to get a reload of receivers. And I think Kirby and company are going to do that in 2022. Who they get is going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, there's some there's some connections now that we've got Gunnar Stockton in the fold that opens up guys like Kojo Antwi. Uh, you know, some guys like Oscar Delt, the tight end. You know, some of these guys want to play with Gunnar Stockton, so that makes them easier. I would say easier to pull. Not going to say 100% lock, but definitely it opens up Georgia to be more attractive in their eyes as in regards to a destination spot for them to commit to and play. Um, Jenny says, I think Vanderbilt needs to be out of the SEC. Hot take? Absolutely with you. You know, I think you look at, obviously you have to look at this and just outside of football. Um, so, you know, academically, I get it. They're great academic school, uh, baseball school, good on baseball school, unfortunately. So, you know, I, I see why, why they're still in the SEC, but it, let's just be hypothetical here for me. I agree with you. You know, then you have to figure out who would replace them. Um, and, and I'll go into a kind of little, like a hypothetical fantasy type situation for the SEC. Um, this is not, I highly doubt this would happen ever. But, you know, just saying this is what I would want to do. I think, you know, and, I'll, and I'll explain as I go, but I think you move, you, you take Vanderbilt out. You bring in a team, say, Miami, maybe, or Florida State. I know we've got one Florida school. Maybe it would be, it wouldn't hurt to have two. Uh, you know, you can pick, I, th- I think it would be nice to have Miami. I think Miami would make the SEC uh, a lot more fun. So, obviously, like I said, Vanderbilt out, Miami comes in, right? Just, just for, let's just be honest, let's for shits and giggles here. So, obviously, Miami would join the East. But then I think you need a realignment. I think Missouri being in the East makes absolutely no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. Missouri is farther away than several teams in the West Conference, in the West Division. So I think you need a switch. And I think what would happen, you could see uh, Missouri flipped to the West and then take a team, say, Auburn to the East. Um, you know, I, I think... And this is the reason why I don't think that'll ever happen. The Iron Bowl, period, won't happen because it's a it's a necessary game every year. It's just it's just the way that goes. Just the way it goes. Um, you know, but you know, Auburn going to the East uh, makes the East a threat, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it makes it more. I would say it makes it more uh, talented. You know, obviously looking at the current situation of the SEC East. Uh, obviously, you have Georgia, you've got Florida, which I think will fall off a little bit considering what they've lost offensively. But uh, you know, Tennessee dumpster fire. There, there's too much. Uh, there's too much Big Mac sauce in the in the waters in Knoxville. You get where I'm going. Uh, South Carolina uh, started completely over from scratch. Uh, Shane Beamer and company terrible recruiting season. Didn't get a lot at all. So I, who's to say they'll probably go to the transfer portal if anything. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think we'll, we'll be able to truly judge that next season. 
Uh, give them a full year in recruiting, see what happens for the 2022 cycle, then we'll see. Um, but kind of a crappy situation there. Um, Vanderbilt, obviously, I, come on, it's, it's Vanderbilt. I, I genuinely don't feel any bit of concern about Vanderbilt whatsoever. Um, I'm still holding that grudge that they uh, backed out on us twice. Yes, I'm still pissed about that. I'm still pissed about it. And I hope that two days after my birthday this season, we drop 70 on them. I hope we do. I hope Kirby does not let up. That's the one game all season. I don't care who we play. That's the one game that I want to see four quarters of just run the scoreboard up, period. I, I, I don't know whether to call it petty. I'm holding a grudge. Just the way it is. And I feel like a lot of Georgia fans think the same way. In my opinion, it's bullshit what they did. I felt like, you know, people can say what they want and, and the officials and the ADs can say what they want. But I'm a Georgia fan. I'm not no AD. I'm a Georgia fan. And as a Georgia fan, I believe they use COVID as an excuse to just get back out and play. Because you back out the first time, yet next week, you miraculously can play Tennessee. And you get your ass kicked. But then two days later, you're canceling Georgia's game. Again. You just played. And now two days later, you're canceling. Because you don't have enough scholarship players. The whole not enough scholarship players is bullshit. And I'll tell you why. Two words. Walk What's the point of a walk-on player when you basically sit here and say, oh, we don't have enough scholarship players, so we're going to have to back out of this game. You're slapping every single player that comes onto your team out of their own dime, their own dime, to come and walk on to your football program in hopes that somehow they will get away to play. But the coaches will say, you know, you need to be ready because you never know when your number's going to be called. Right? So when you have this when you have this influx of, you know, depart or, you know, people backing out because of COVID or people can't play. And my that's that's that sounds to me like your number's about to be called. But it's a slap in the face to every single kid that walks on to any program for these coaches to say we don't have enough scholarship players. So we're going to have to forfeit. It's a slap in the face to every single kid. I feel I feel sorry for the kids that walk on because you're not giving them a fair shot. You don't have enough scholarship players? There's a reason why you've got walk-ons. Fill the team. This whole no contest bullshit is terrible. It's killing that. It, it, this year was terrible because of that. If Most Power 5 programs have enough walk-ons to fill the team at least 11 and 11 on each side. If you can't do that, then you take the loss. That's your problem. No team should sit here and have to suffer because of your incompetence to field a team of at least 22 people. I understand you need depth. I get it. But nonetheless, there's a reason why you have walk-ons. Use them. So with Vanderbilt backing out twice... Like I said, it's bullshit and it should not happen. They should there, there should be some sort of 
whether it be a fine or something that should have got punished somehow, but you know what? They're not. They're not. So, Kirby, I hope you're listening. Whoever, anybody, Georgia, on the team, I hope you're listening. When we play Vanderbilt, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. They backed out twice on you. Your seniors this past year got fucked. They didn't have a senior day. They were supposed to have it. Did not get it. Twice. Beat Vanderbilt's ass for in their memory. The seniors, the seniors suffered enough not having a true senior day. Make it worth it for them. Some of them came back. I applaud them for that. So whoever, you know, for those guys that come back as seniors and come back for one more year with a free year, make it count. That's all I'm going to say. Enough about Vanderbilt. Enough about Vanderbilt. I could go on and on about this. Definitely could go on and on about Vanderbilt. Anyways. <clears throat> I see we've got a few more people in here. Uh, Jerome, I hope everybody's having a good day. Michael, hope everybody's having a good time and a good day so far. Uh, I apologize for my rant, but I don't apologize as well. I just don't. <clears throat> but going back to... Alright, so enough of the rant. No, Jenny, you do not have to apologize. It's okay. Do not apologize. Don't be sorry for Vanderbilt. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's on them. Don't worry about it. It's okay. But anyways, state of the SEC East. Obviously, we just got got done hearing my rant about Vanderbilt. But then you look at Missouri and Kentucky. And I think those two are going to be, strangely enough, the better teams in that conference, or in the East, uh, below Georgia and probably Florida. I, I, I genuinely do. Kentucky seems to always play us tough and physical. They have a very physical team. So... I genuinely think that you know they, that can be a that can be a uh, a very difficult game this year. Uh, I just think it can. Uh, Missouri, I know we blew them out this past in, in the, at the end of the season last year. I get that, but you have to kind of see what Eli or Coach Eli Drinkowitz did in year one with Missouri. He he actually made that team competitive, and that's just year one. So. I don't know if they'll be on par, Missouri. Missouri. I don't know if they'll be ready to go, but I think they'll be at least in the middle to the top. Just based off of other teams, what they lost, you know, like I said, Tennessee and South Carolina and Vanderbilt, are, I, I think they're going to be the bottom. Uh, just the absolute shit show in Knoxville. That whole, whole situation was just a complete mess. You have a mass exodus of guys leaving into the portal because of all the crap that's going on in that. And we and honestly, right now, we don't know the severity of what's going to happen to the program up there. We don't know. But, you know, it, it's weird to see Tennessee do an internal investigation on yourself. You know, that just shows me that Philip Fulmer didn't know what the hell he was doing. He just didn't know what he was doing. They made a dumb mistake, didn't put the buyout for Pruitt, and now you're sitting here having to basically... Commit su- uh, program suicide to get rid of this guy without paying him, f- what, $14 million or something like that? That's your own dumbass problem to have. That's your incompetence as an athletic director. 
Maybe it was right for you to step down because apparently you couldn't do your job good at all. Just what it sounds like to me. So thank you for committing program suicide because that's one less team that Georgia's got to worry about on their way to Atlanta every year. We're, I think we'll be just fine. The only team we really need to, I think the only teams we really need to worry about, Florida and anyone else in third. And, that, and honestly, after Florida, I think anything could happen. But I'm thinking Kentucky makes a, a, a run this year. We'll see what happens. Obviously, way too early to tell. But I just don't see the East being that much competitive at all. So with that being said, I think you have to look at Georgia's schedule. It's very manageable to get to Atlanta. It is. Outside of Clemson, our schedule is manageable and, and, and honestly very manageable. Every game, we're, every game, I think you're going to see us being an, uh, as a favorite. And, and honestly, don't sleep on any team that we play. I, it, it bit us in the ass against South Carolina. It did, and we know that. You sit there, you're the overwhelming favorite. South, all it takes is have a rough game, and then you've taken an L that you shouldn't have, and it can derail a season. Right? That's just the key there. That's just how that goes. So, you know, every game, sure, we can be a favorite. That's okay. But if the mentality of the program needs to be right, it needs you need to get your mind right. Do not sleep on any team and come in ready to go every single week. Come in ready to go. Everybody's going to be hyped for Clemson. I get it. That's the one game, in my opinion, that's a push right now. It can go Georgia's way, it can go Clemson's way. But other than that, you know, you look at you look at the schedule with UAB, Charleston Southern, and the Cupcake games. Do your job. Do it early and you know, early and often. You sit there. The more experience, like the more games that we're able to just blow teams out. Put these guys in. Put these guys behind in. JT Daniels doesn't need to play. 100% of every game. Put in your backup. right? Put in your backups. Get these young guys, these freshmen, get these guys, these these sophomores now, or I guess because they're everybody got a free year, maybe they're still freshmen. Um, you know, maybe maybe they look at it in a sense of, you know, cuz last year, remember guys, last year there was no off season. Right? 2020 there was no off season. Learn a new offense, no offseason, was rough. But there's no excuse because every single team had to go through the same thing that we did. It just took us a little bit to learn the offense. And that and that's okay, ultimately. But at the, at the time, you know what? Georgia, as a fan base, we expect that. You know, we expect national titles or we're disappointed. Playoffs are disappointed, right? This year, I, I think... With everybody coming back, JT Daniels fully healthy. I, I coach a day, get your secondary ready. Because we've got we've got playoff. We're, we're if we don't, I say if we go, if we don't, if we lose two games, if we lose two games, there may be there may be like a revolt or something coming up because we're, it's just the state of everybody around us in our schedule. You know, and look outside of the, you know, even outside of the SEC. 
obviously, you know, Bama lost a lot, but it's Bama. They're reloading, and they always will. They will not really miss a beat so long as uh, Nick Saban is there. But you look at Clemson. You know, DJ Rilongale is going to be their guy this year. And in two games when Trevor Lawrence wasn't there, did fairly well. So, like I said, Clemson is going to be a tough game. It will be a tough game. But I think Georgia is built to be able to manage this game and possibly win. So, whoever wins that game on September 4th is more than likely going to jump up to at least two, if not number one in the country. At least deservingly, right? That's just the way I see that. But everybody else, there's just, everybody else, like, uh, you know, you look at Ohio State, lost a ton, lost Justin Fields. That's important for, you know, they lost that. That's huge. You know, I, I think if you look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma's a true threat to be in the playoffs. Spencer Rattler and company, that offense was humming at the end of the season. Nobody wanted to play Oklahoma. And I, and I think nobody really wanted to play Georgia at the end of the season. You know, those were the two teams that I thought that literally were just dominating at the end of the season. Now, obviously, we had a easy, I guess you could look at our schedule being somewhat easy. Nonetheless, domination is domination. So, if anything, we did what we were supposed to do. But like I said, I just love the balance of how we were able to do it. You know, one true dominating pass game, one complete domination run game, overall balance. That right there makes a difference to me. So... You know, I, I think we're, we have playoff aspirations, and if we don't do it, I think somebody like heads will explode. Um, Jenny, you can add me on Facebook. I don't have a problem with that. Don't have a problem with that. I do not have a problem with that. All right. Anybody have any other things they want to talk about before we wrap this up? Paul, how are you doing? I saw you just pop in. Hope everybody's having a good morning. Again, for you, for those that uh, that are just coming in. All right, let's see. I think that might do it for this. <clears throat> so we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, like I said, this is the first episode, or this is the first segment of the uh, GATA Q and A. Uh, expect this every Friday. I think this will become somewhat of a tradition for me. Uh, I, I genuinely like coming on and, and you know and talking with you know talking with other people, other dog fans, you know, and, and hearing what people have to say and, and you know you know having a nice discussion. So every Friday I'll be doing this, um, and from there I think you know we'll see how this goes, and I hope everybody you know took something away from this. Uh, if even if it was my rant, you know, maybe you felt maybe you felt the same way about that with my rant. Who knows, right? Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully your answer or your questions were answered. Um, feel free to feel free to reach out to me uh, if you have any questions throughout the week. We can always we can always talk about it, and if need be, you know, if for some reason you can't come on on Fridays when I do this, like I said, if you reach out to me, I can make a note and talk about it then. So with that being said, thank you for the GATA Q&A, and we'll be back after this break.
Well, that is all we have for today, folks. Thanks for sticking around and listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the content. Until next time, this is the GATA Podcast, where it is all dogs, all the time. I'm Robert Reynolds, and stay safe. Go dogs. Thank <laughs> you.